Homefieldapparel.com, your home for all of your vintage collegiate apparel needs. It is officially hoodie season, and the super soft hoodies and crewnecks at Homefield are by far the highest quality, best-looking hoodie season companions on the market. And to make sure that you remain adequately cozy through the season, Homefield is offering a 20% off the entire site Black Friday sale with the code Black Friday, valid from November 18th through November 27th. All Pac-12 schools except Oregon and Stanford have gorgeous collections. The Beavlet collection is my personal favorite. And if you're just looking to troll your favorite Oregon fan, they also have a great UCI shirt that is one of their best sellers. Make sure to get your orders in early as items are subject to sell out, and this is the biggest discount Homefield offers all year. Once again, that is code Black Friday, all one word, for 20% off the entire site from November 18th through the 27th at homefieldapparel.com. Many thanks to The Good Brand for fulfilling our holiday consumerism buckets. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me as always, Avery at Brave Grapes. Hello, I'm a plumber now. <laughs> Greg at Bananamorphs. This conference... Is so bad. Uh, yeah, homeowner grapes. You just uh, did your own drain or some shit, right? I fixed my shower drain. Something that I was quoted thirteen hundred dollars for, and I did it for thirty bucks. Oh, thirty bucks, but also the hundred dollar plumber. So it was like it was like a hundred dollar for the plumber to come tell me I was wrong, which like whatever. And then I bought like a thirty dollar um, strain scope. Your and your hair is very wet. Did the whole like fucking shower blow up on you or something what happened no i took a shower after because i was covered in like goo from cool. the drain Very gross. <laughs> Pleasant. yeah uh we've got a lot of pac-12 basketball action to get to finally we get some eventful basketball shit to talk about we'll talk about arizona and ucla's very eventful weeks we'll talk about who the third best team in the pac-12 is We'll talk about a little bit of Pac-12 football right at the top. We'll even do some fun Thanksgiving discourse. But first, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. We're finally over 3.5 stars, and now our next goal is 4.0 stars. Can we get there by the end of the basketball season? I don't know. Depends on uh, if you leave us five-star reviews and also if uh, Utah and BYU fans do not review bomb us yet again. Uh, we got one from our homie Alex. He writes, quote, kick Reed off the pod and thanks for adding me to the group chat. Go Huskies. Uh, hell yeah, Alex. We added him to our little inner Pac-12 group chat. And he's also on our Discord, which is now public and free and actually pretty lively. So DM us on Twitter at No Truck Stops Pod if you want access to that. And finally, of course, our Patreon at NoTruckStopsPod.com. Always interesting to talk on there. Avery is actually joining Greg for the gambling episode which will be fun. Apparently, Matt is not feeling well, so Grapes is subbing in. Apparently, Grapes is not there, and I don't think she listened to our last podcast. You had a pretty good week on the, uh, what was it, the the Pick'em the pick party? I think, I think I'm second place overall now. Is that right, Greg? I believe it is. I can double check. Do you, once again, Avery, do you know a lot about gambling? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't gamble. <laughs> you should be um, ashamed, Greg. I tried gambling out last year, and then... Um, I was like putting all my money on Oregon State, which was like worked, worked until they played yeah. on the road and then it didn't work. So I, I checked the standings. Avery is indeed in second. Jesus. Uh, a, yeah. 
She's two percent behind KG, who is a god <laughs> at this. And now, now I'm gonna go on the betting preview, and then I'm I'm gonna get one right this week because you're gonna be you're gonna be tainted by yeah, the betting that's how pre- it goes. preview. I think. <laughs> anyway, so that's gonna be on Patreon. Go listen to that. They're actually gonna record that. I think after this, before this, I don't really know. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's that. Reed has his game of the week episode dropping, and if all goes according to plan. I'm going to be talking with some of our favorite people, Emily and Briar, an Oregon fan and a UW fan, to ask Ooh. one simple question. Who's the better coach, Dan Lanning or Kalen DeBoer? Greg, I know you have thoughts. Are you Dan Lanning, Stan, here? I think it's. I think you go either way with this one. Uh, okay, all right. I'm yeah, surprised. This is a very, very good question. Um, I, have, I, have strong, I have an opinion. I think, um, and this can be like, seen as bias whatever i think caitlin DeBoer is the better coach just because i think offensive minded head coaches do so much better in the long run like i feel like they have a, like a lot higher ceilings hmm. than defensive minded head coaches and i think it goes well for them more frequently like i think it's easier to be successful with an offensive minded coach but if you get like a good defensive minded head coach it can be okay but i, I think like just because he's an offensive mind makes yeah. him the better coach, in my opinion. So, yeah, I get that. Uh, I think the thing that makes defensive-minded coaches worse in general, uh, and I agree with you, like when Utah hires a new coach, I don't want it to be a defensive guy, mm-hmm. uh, is that defensive guys are so often terrible at like in-game decisions, like when to go for it on fourth, when to punt. Because they're so conservative. Uh, they think everything's exactly. risky. Whereas I think Dan Lanning is really good at that, which is why it's a very, very hard question for me, and I think we need more time. However, I'd probably lean Lanning right now, but like it's very close. I think the concerning thing about Dan Lanning is if his um, offensive coordinator leaves. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that right now. Uh, so anyway, we're going to be talking about that with our friends Emily and Briar. Please listen to that. That's all going on at NoTruckStops.com. All right. Let's start our basketball episodes as we normally do with some Pac-12 football discourse just to get people warmed up. And in fact, for this one, we're actually going to take a quick truck stop to talk some Pac-12 news. It is all coaching stuff in the the Pac-12 news truck stop segment we got going on here so let's get into it dennis dodd of cbs sports named current uw head coach kaylin DeBoer as a quote name to watch in the nebraska head coaching search okay so i wrote this out and then like minutes later it came out that kaylin DeBoer signed an extension through 2028 so clearly this was i have here i think we all think this is bullshit <laughs> clearly now it's bullshit uh kaylin DeBoer went and got a bag good for him and his agent but let's just play with this idea since we're here should Kalen DeBoer have considered the Nebraska job? I think he did like the perfect thing in this situation. I think like as soon as this news, I'm sure they're already in talks of an extension because he's been amazing this year. But I think like as soon as this news came out, him and his agent probably like used it um, to help them get a better extension would be my guess. I guess like in the real, real world, because football's not real. Um, when you have two job offers, you can like weigh them against each other to try to get whoever to give you a better offer. And I think that's what ended up happening here. And I think it's a good, good choice because UW is a, I would say a much more consistent and safe seat to be in than Nebraska. Greg, what do you think? Yeah. So 
my answer before learning of the extension was going to be something like, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he wants. However, I would leverage the Nebraska job to get more money at UW because you really have like a good path at consistently competing for the conference when you're in the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten. And it's going to be very hard to compete in the Big Ten at a Nebraska. Like Nebraska will have more money than Washington does. Okay. But I, I think Washington has some advantages that like Nebraska doesn't. And so I personally think he made the right decision staying, taking an extension. All right. Me too. Me too. I think that is uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the Nebraska job seems uh, pretty shitty, I think. Um, yeah. All things considered. And UW, they don't have quite the, amount, the same amount of money, but I I don't know. I think I think it's a great job. I think it's, it's the, it'll be the best non-UCLA, non-USC job in the Pac-12 on those two yeah. leagues. I think that, like, especially with conference realignment and expansion, I feel like UW's just a better spot to be in because even if they get picked up and go to a bigger conference, I feel like they're just set up more... Like, if they go to the Big Ten, I feel like they're set up more, for more success than Nebraska is. And then if they stay in the Pac-12, they're one of the top programs, probably the top program left in the Pac-12. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, let's turn to a Pac-12 coaching vacancy. Several names have been floated for the ASU job. Three of the most prominent are former Texas head coach Tom Herman, currently unemployed, current uh, Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Virgingham Dillingham, and current UConn head coach Jim Mora. There's uh, uh, a lot of smoke around the ASU job. We I don't think we'll know anything for real until like December. But of these three names, who do you think ASU should hire? Uh, Graves, I want to start with you. See if you can answer this unironically. <laughs> I would not hire Tom Herman, but okay. I feel like Jim Mora, if you can get Jim Mora, Jim Mora is a good option. I think he's a fun name. I think players like a coach that you know. Um, what he's been doing at UConn has been like really fucking impressive. Um, nobody thought they would like make it to bowl eligibility. Um, and the thing with Kenny Dillingham, I am as I'm a lot harder on Kenny Dillingham than he probably deserves. Um, <laughs> and like, I think he's a, been a fine offensive coordinator. I I'm weary because I, I feel like you need a little bit more experience before you're getting head coaching jobs, but it might be a good call for Arizona state just because he's an up and coming name and he went, he's like an alum at Arizona state. Um, and poaching him early on instead of letting him, I don't know, even if he doesn't leave this year, leave in the future to a bigger program, this like might be Arizona State's best chance at getting him. But Jim Mora is the safer option if you can get Jim Mora. I'm more scared of Jim Mora. So this is funny to me because I think I would rank them in the opposite way Avery did. Uh, I would not hire Jim Mora if I'm ASU. Under no circumstances would I hire <laughs> oh, okay. him. Okay, all right. Everyone uh, says that big, about Jim big, Mora. I'm a big Jim Mora fan. I love him. ASU can do better. Okay. Uh, like, he's not... He's old at this point. He's a, no, and we he's have a known seen that quantity. He just does not have... He doesn't have the... Yeah, and the quantity that he is known to be is something that will not last. Yeah, I guess he's, if he's okay. old. Like, That's fair. Well, and he's older, and at USC... US, I mean, UCLA, when he was younger... He ran out of steam, and it got worse. And I just wouldn't want to hire when you've seen that before. Uh, like, he's great at the turnaround, but, like, that's not what I would want personally okay. if I'm an ASU fan. Dillingham is just a massive unknown, which is why I wouldn't have him at the top here. Uh, however, I do think there's good potential. If you're going to gamble with a guy, like, an, 
a new name that like you don't know a lot about doesn't have a ton of serious coaching experience like Kenny Dillingham like he's he's mm-hmm. the best person to gamble with because he's an Arizona State alum like he's been doing well at Oregon I don't think you should do it with anyone else but c- just considering that I he went to say, Arizona yeah, State I don't think I don't think Dillingham would be a bad hire no it just it's a risk it's kind of like uh it's it's like what Oregon was doing when hiring Dan Lanning you know they're all they're all very risky. big risk they're all risky they are all risky. The reason that I would like Tom Herman the most is because he's the only one here who is, like, I don't think he's guaranteed to burn out like I think Jim Mora is. Uh, and he has had he's had success as a head coach. Uh, like, he was a great coach at Houston. Fantastic. And Texas is the Texas job. Yeah, that's true. How many people have succeeded there? Houston uh, was six years ago. Uh, look, uh, it's... A- <laughs> Do you want a guy, I think it's very uh, fair to ask, do you want a guy who is coming off good seasons and good press or a guy who's probably coming off bad ones? I think that's I fair. Think if I'm ASU, if I'm ASU, I wouldn't hire Jim Moore, but not because Jim Moore is bad, just because they just came off a, a, a guy who's an old guy who, you know, flamed out at his last stop, hadn't coached in a while. Like, they kind of just did that, so maybe they want to switch it up, get the young hot shot. Here's the thing about Jim Mora. Jim Mora, I think, might actually do well at Arizona State. I think that... I think he'd do well for a few I, years. I think his failings at UCLA had a lot to do with his own personal stuff. That's what I've heard sort of in the back channels. Like It was all about him getting a divorce and him dealing with personal issues, him never being able to figure that stuff out, and it completely wrecked his life. Uh, and then he takes six years off, goes hang out, goes to hang out in like fucking Idaho or whatever, gets the Yukon job, gets a new wife, and now he's fine again. So And now his kids are out of the it's house. a new so wife. If he gets another divorce. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess that's one thing you're begging on. He's like, you, you really, with Jim Moore, you need a contract closet. He needs to go to therapy every week. <laughs> yeah, marriage counseling. Uh, here's the thing. I think Kenny Dillingham probably is the guy I'd hire of these okay. three. But I think Tom Herman is a much better coach than people give him credit for. Okay. Fair enough. Um, this just came out. USC is ranked number six. In, yeah, let's uh, talk CFP about that poll. really, really quick. The playoff rankings. I have those pulled up. So, Grapes, take us through the playoff rankings. You have all of them for the Pac-12? Uh, for the Pac-12, yeah. So, USC is number six. Oregon is number nine. Washington, 13. Utah, 14. UCLA, 18. And Oregon State, 21. Six teams. Pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty At good. At this rate, Oregon State, even if they lose to Oregon, might stay in the top 25. I think this is also important. Like, okay, for playoff, for the playoff rankings and the playoff appearances, whatever, like, it obviously matters for USC. Number six is, like, right there in pole position. All they need is probably Michigan. One of Michigan and Ohio State will get bumped. Who's ahead of them uh, at five? All I keep seeing are the Pac-12 ones. I know, I've cur- I know. I've curated LSU. my timeline. <gasps> LSU jumped USC. Jayden, not a truck stop because of um, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels. <laughs> Too many Jadens <laughs> in this fucking conference. Jaden Daniels is a truck stop. I'm uh, sorry. No, he's not. Uh, L- okay, yes, are we... Are we, l- we almost have to talk about it. This is our basketball episode, but I can't help. LSU jumped USC. Does that seem right to y'all? Uh, no, it no. does not seem right. No, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's very dumb. Uh, it's USC got fucked USC, here, right? USC should be number five. Yeah. yeah. USC got fucked. Yeah, am I, am I wrong the SC, It's the SEC... Yeah, um, it's just SEC. They got SEC fucked. Oh my god! Yeah, USC got I, fucked. This happens a lot. <laughs> nice thing is, it absolutely doesn't matter because if USC wins out, they will be ahead. 
I mean, if they win this weekend, they'll Will be they? ahead they'll because they'll be yeah. a top. They'll beat a top fifteen Notre Dame team. Yeah, if, is if, Notre okay, Dame so top fifteen? They're fifteenth right now. And Stanford beat them. God, imagine if yeah. Cal beat them. So Incredible here's the shit. issue: Do we think that the the thing is is like, do we expect Georgia to beat the shit out of LSU? I don't know. I guess so. Yes, okay. I do. Georgia beats the shit out of LSU, then it's moot, right? Like. Well, LSU already has two losses. They need to win the Pac-12. The they, they need to win the yeah. SEC. Yeah. Game. And if they do, they'll get yeah. in. But yeah. like, well, I, then that really does fuck USC. But I don't know. It seems it seems kind of fucked up to me to put them in that position. But you're right. Uh, if USC wins out, they beat Notre Dame. They win the Pac-12 championship. I think they'll still be in. So, but still, that they jump them like that is insane. Um, the other thing, probably worth noting, cannot believe we're talking this much about football in our basketball episode. Uh, it's what the, the other people thing want. Is going to be that's interesting. Is <laughs> first of all, Washington's all the way up at thirteen now, which is very intriguing. What is going to matter, I think, is if USC does go to the playoff and they do win the Pac-12. Which honestly, it just like feels so rare for that to happen that I'm not really sure that they're going to be able to beat Notre Dame and then like a top 15 Pac-12 team, whoever that is. I'm kind of like, I'm like the, whatever. So USC goes to the playoff. That means the next team in the Pac-12 will go to the Rose Bowl. Oregon is nine. Washington is 13. Utah is 14. UCLA is 18. And Oregon State is 21. The pa- the Rose Bowl is not obligated to take the next ranked playoff team. But I'm curious, like, I don't know. It, um, this is my matter? favorite type of hypothetical. Okay. Because there's so many different ways this can go. And like right now, it's genuinely looking like whatever team is left out of the um, conference championship game. Yeah. Say USC wins the conference championship game. The team that's left out looks like they're getting the Rose Bowl over second, whoever mm-hmm. lost in the conference championship game. Like I, I feel very confident. So UW has like a genuinely good shot if they beat Wazoo. Um, because Washington State's a like a much better win than some of these other teams that like Utah will play, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. The other one that's interesting, I know that people think this is insane and whatever. I, I don't think or I don't think it's insane to think Oregon State has a shot at the Rose Bowl. They play if they, they beat play, if they beat Oregon, absolutely they, they're they in the conversation. Num- they play number nine Oregon. Washington has to play Washington State in Pullman. Which I think could be a two- loss. Those two results right there might jump Oregon State ahead of those. And again, they do not need to be ahead of them in the playoff rankings. They just need to put themselves in a position to be able to be picked. The Rose Bowl, like maybe they'll want to go for a bigger brand or something, but maybe they'll want to go for some novelty, right? Like Oregon, Washington, and Utah have all been in the past. Like they've been the only Pac-12 teams who have made it at this point. And it's like, I don't know, maybe they do want to do something new. My only concern is like Oregon State is going to bring them the least amount of money, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> How much are they going to consider very, that? They're very aware of that, though. Like, they're not obligated to take the highest-ranked team, but they said they're going to. Have they? Uh, according to Josh Newman, who is Utah's beat reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune, yeah. okay. you are a fucking moron <laughs> every time you've said, oh, he's, he's stupid and wrong. <laughs> so stupid, right? never so if, if Washington loses to Wazoo... Um, and Oregon State beats Oregon. Who's in the conference championship game? It'd be you. Oh fuck. Um, UCLA or Utah? Probably UCLA. No, Utah. No, right? UCLA's out. Uh, I think it might be Utah as long. Oh it yeah, depends UCLA on, be- lost to Arizona. I think it might be Utah. It might be Utah. Oh, okay, I think it so depends if on that, if you see, uh, It depends on the UCLA Cal weird. game because if Cal wins that game, then Washington. Okay. Goes. Okay, well, no, because Washington lost to Wazoo in my hypothetical. Oh, oh, I mixed up what you said. I thought you said uh, 
No, Utah only gets in if Washington wins. Oh, so they want to get into a tie. It would be Oregon. Yeah. yeah so no, but Oregon. then Oregon State beats Oregon. No, but well, they'll get Oregon in anyway. Have, Oregon would stop Oregon more only losses. has um, yeah, yeah, yeah. one conference. Right. Okay. So if that happens, Oregon and USC are in the conference championship game, and USC beats Oregon. USC's going to go to the playoffs. Oregon State. That's Oregon, Oregon State. State. Would. Yeah, it would in be Oregon Bowl. State. Uh, I think it'd be Utah. I think Oregon State would jump uh, Utah. Mm, uh, actually, yeah, you're right. Oregon State might jump Utah with a, there. With beating, because they beat Oregon. I know they lost a head-to-head, but like you can take into account that Chance Nolan got injured in that game. Yeah. like That's That huge. would be very, very close. That is... That's Oregon State's path, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's but I, I feel like they might um, pick Utah just because that's going to get them more money. And, and Utah fans traveled so well yeah. last year. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, well, that's Pac-12 football. We went way Fun to over. talk about. This is a basketball podcast. Did you all know that? Yeah. Uh, but this is, uh, thank you for bringing <laughs> that up because uh, I was thinking about the playoff rankings earlier and didn't put that in the show notes. Anyway, so let's talk about non-football stuff, but non-basketball stuff off also. Uh, <laughs> let's, it's, it's the season. I thought we would do some Thanksgiving discourse, but... Before we get into the fun stuff, I hope everyone remembers and acknowledges uh, that Thanksgiving is a fraught holiday because we know, in fact, that people did not come from Europe in peace and uh, make friends with indigenous communities here in America. That is bullshit American propaganda. But instead, they slaughtered them and took their land. So this Thanksgiving, figure out whose land you're on. I reside, personally, in Kumeyaay territory on land stolen from them in 1769 by the Spanish. One thing to remember is that uh, a lot of these people are still around. They've not vanished. They're not some relic. The Kumeyaay people are still here. They're still living and surviving despite centuries of physical, social, economic, and environmental violence enacted on them. So just remember that this Thanksgiving. You can also find whose land you're on and learn their history at native-land.ca. Uh, so as we move on to some fun Thanksgiving discourse, you can recognize the history of this holiday, all the weird shit that comes with it. And still enjoy time with your family. Don't people always struggle with this? Like, oh, does that mean I can't enjoy it? Like, don't justify it. Like, yeah, go hang out with your family. Don't justify it and say, like, oh, well, I'm going to offset it because I'm going to do this. So then it's fine. No, just like go have plans with your family, eat like turkey and shit, like do all that. And also, like, yeah, recognize this, this holiday is fraught. Anyway, having said all that, <laughs> what's on y'all's plate this Thanksgiving? What are we eating? Greg, what are you eating? Mashed potatoes and gravy. Okay are my favorite like i would die for good mashed potatoes and gravy there's nothing in the world that i love more than that and as long as there's that and some rolls i'll be happy but there, there will be more than that of course okay grapes what are you eating uh i don't know i mean i assume i'm eating thanksgiving food i'm doing thanksgiving with my partner's family and i don't know what they eat but they're white so like <laughs> my expectations are super low um but like but like greg i if I there's mashed potatoes and gravy that's like even if it's just mediocre, like I don't need it to be excellent. Mediocre mashed potatoes and gravies are still good enough for me. Dip yeah. dip rolls in them, fantastic. Um, I do love good stuffing. It's just it's harder to get right. Uh, you got to have mm-hmm. enough seasoning. And again, mm. uh, white people Thanksgiving that's hard. So <laughs> like I'll I'll I'm not a big turkey gal. If it was up to me, I would like do uh, beef roast or something like a okay. good. <laughs> good roast with carrots and stuff but yeah probably mashed potatoes and rolls and maybe i'll get some stuffing and pie we'll see yeah maybe i y'all should uh you and your partner dewey made me that delicious tomato soup when i was over at y'all's house you should you should do that bring that to the thanksgiving bring a tomato i don't know how people would react if we brought tomato soup that's like it's not crazy but like 
still out know. of the out of the realm of the holiday out of maybe the thing. uh i'm eating i think we're uh i think we're doing duck uh duck with like uh mashed potatoes and Ooh, some sort yum. of vegetable yeah Yummy. yeah i loved a good duck yeah yeah i've never had duck what what it's good greg yeah it's great it's like uh all the best parts of a chicken chicken with like more mm. fat and flavor yeah. That is that's and you can incredible. get it you can get it really crispy on the outside because it's got a good Ooh. amount of fat yeah yeah that's great good stuff that sounds delicious all right well enough of that f- football and Thanksgiving shit it's basketball time let's get a recap of everything that's gone down in the Pac-12 this past week I mean everything Greg please throw it at us all right so Arizona went three and zero on the week uh, Zulus Tabellus had a very nice week, culminating with a 30-point performance in their win against Cincinnati. ASU somehow managed to win a hard-fought close game over VCU and then blow out number 20 Michigan. Uh, very weird week. Um, Cal stays winless, of course, and they're making a very strong case that they're worse than last year's Oregon State team. Mark Fox is a terrorist. Too early to call. Um, Too early to call on that. Um, but I don't. I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. We have to remind ourselves that Oregon State only had three, three wins last year. I'm not sure Cal will get there. Oregon State didn't lose three straight bye games. Oregon State didn't lose three straight bye games okay, at if, any point. If we get if we get into like the second week of January and it doesn't look like Cal has a single prayer of catching anybody, then, then I'll call it. But I think we have to okay. give them like yeah, a month. Well, it's not there yet. You know, this is, it's just like they're, if this is a race with Oregon state's ghost, <laughs> they're beating that ghost right now yeah. to the and, bottom or, or to they're the bottom. getting beaten yes. by the yes. ghost. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Greg. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Colorado continued being the most baffling team in the conference with a win over number 24 Texas A&M and then losses to UMass and Boise State. It wasn't just a win either, Greg. (laughs) Say the score. It's a good win. (laughs) Say the score. Yeah, Yeah, it was 100, right? Hold on. I've got it. 100, 103 to 75. That's not convincing. That's a fucking oh, smack. I thought it was a 20-point win. I didn't realize it was like 30. Yeah, it was almost yeah. 30. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, anyway, weirdest fucking team in the world. Uh, next, Oregon had a pretty chalk week. Uh, they blew out Montana State and then had a 10-point loss to number three Houston. Perfectly respectable from them. Oregon State went 1-1. One and one. They had a win over Bushnell and then a 13-point loss to Portland State, which is not great, but hey, last year was much worse. So good job, Oregon State. The Peyton Years podcast and Oregon State basketball podcast said that maybe Portland State's actually pretty good, but maybe they were just coping. I don't know. I mean, irrelevant. They have three wins. At least it can't be worse than last year. Uh, and next, Stanford lost by 12 to number 17, San Diego State, and then beat the shit out of Cal Poly. I guess kind of a chalk week for them. UCLA probably had the most entertaining week with two close-ranked matchups, but they ended up losing both of them to Illinois and Baylor, respectively. Uh, USC went 2-0 and with two close wins over Vermont and Mount St. Mary's, uh, and then Utah lost by 10 to Sam Houston, but then won by four over Georgia Tech. Uh, Washington lost to CA Baptist, uh, which is embarrassing for them. Uh, and then Washington State bounced back from their Prairie View loss with a comfortable win over Eastern Washington, and that was the week. Perfect recap, Greg. Thank you. Let's get right into it. We're going to start with the two top teams in the Pac-12 right now because both had very eventful weeks that I think taught us a lot. Uh, Arizona and UCLA. First up, Greg said it. UCLA had two big-time benchmark games to top 15 teams in Illinois and Baylor. Lost 
both of them. They were super intense. Uh, they were part of a, the whatever tournament that is in Las Vegas. I have a hard time tracking the names of these. Well, Arizona had its first test of the season and took care of Cincinnati and Maui. Uh, the rest of the Pac-12 is super dumpy at the moment. So these, I think, are the clear two flag bearers. But I wanted to know whether each of you think differently about these teams now um, than maybe you did a week ago. Uh, and just so folks know, we're recording this before Arizona plays San Diego State, who is ranked in the top 25 also. So I think that game is going to tell us a lot about the Wildcats and who they are. So this might all be moot by the time we actually post this, especially if Arizona loses. But Greg, start us off. Do you think differently about UCLA and Arizona now? Do you feel differently about flipping them? What do, what do you think? Yeah, so I think I was just way too low on Arizona. They look like a juggernaut again, and I don't think they are what they are. La- they were last year. But they're still like just a really well they're, they're a well a well oiled machine. Tommy Lloyd is a genius. He's the best coach in the conference. I've decided uh, everything they do is impressive. So I'm way higher on them. As for UCLA, I'm only a little bit lower on them than I was. Like the loss to Illinois, I think you know it is what it is. You know there's some extenuating things in that game, and the Baylor loss was a really good game and I think they were just slightly worse than Baylor like they deserve to lose that game but like I think the score was a good indication of where those two teams are so maybe you know like I never thought UCLA was a title contender like in terms of national titles but like maybe instead of real thinking like final four is a super possible thing maybe it's more of an elite eight type thing uh but yeah, overall, not much change with how I feel with UCLA, except a little lower, much higher on Arizona. Graves, what about you? Do you feel differently about UCLA or Arizona? Do you feel like, do you, I don't know, or did you expect this, and do you feel like they're going exactly as you expected them to? Um, I expected there to be a little bit more faltering with Arizona, um, mm. and so them confidently handling Cincinnati like reassured me a lot. And makes me feel a lot better about Arizona. I didn't feel bad about them. I still figured they'd be like a top two team in the conference, but it makes me feel like they're a lot stronger team. And what Greg said, where they're just, they haven't missed a beat. Like obviously losing the players that they did hurts, but they're still running perfectly fine. And I agree. Tommy Lloyd is incredible. UCLA, they were super close, intense games that they lost to top 15 teams. So it's hard for me to feel bad about them. If it would have been a blowout situation, I would have been a lot more concerned. Um, It's kind of a bummer. Neither of these games went UCLA's way uh, because it just like hurts how they look, their resume. But Mm -hmm. so I'm a little bit worried about UCLA, um, but I don't know. I don't feel bad. I don't, I'm not concerned yet. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, would I say I'm concerned? Uh, I don't know. I feel differently about, about oh man i feel different about arizona and i feel more i feel much better about arizona more confident in arizona than i did because i thought that dale and terry christian coloco and ben matherin provided so much of the offensive and defensive production from last year and those guys are gone i thought they were their three best offensive players and their three best defensive players like just all around both sides uh both mm-hmm. both, both ends of the, of the floor I, but they look good. Their defense, I think, has taken a step back, uh, a pretty considerable step back. I do think they're much weaker defensively. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they can't throw Dalen Terry on uh, on their on the opposing team's best player anymore. Ben Matherin could take the best player himself, also, and Christian Coloco was the best defensive big in the entire country. So 
expected that they take a step back. Uh, you know, as you list, they're they're playing good team defense, but that only gets you so far. And I think he got a little bit a little bit exposed against Cincinnati. What I'm really impressed with, though, is offensively they look fucking insane. They look they look uh, I I don't want to say better, but they look more cohesive. Like it looks like the shots mm-hmm. that they're getting are so much easier. It just feels like the ball moves where it needs to go. Still, against Cincinnati, it was like the vast majority of those shots, they shot like 66% or something ridiculous like that. They only took 14 threes, uh, made the most of them because they were almost all open, but like all of them were just inside dump-offs to Umar Balo and Najula Tabela. So people will look at those stat lines and say, oh, Balo, Balo and Tabela, maybe their best players, their best scores. A lot of that was them being set up by who I think is their best player, which is going to be very fucking insane to say. And Reed might be right about no, this just by I don't accident. Hear it. He's a prophet. Kirk Kreisa <laughs> might I don't be Arizona's <laughs> best player. He might be one of the five best players of the Pac-12 right now. I mean, it's early. I get it. It's early. But holy shit, uh, he is shooting at an insane clip, 64% from the field, true shooting percentage, which takes account for the fact that like your three-pointers, you're going to make them at a lower sort of rate, and so you take more of them, you're punished less. Uh, He's shooting like a 92% true shooting percentage, uh, which is fucking incredible. Again, only four games, but on top of that, he is, he looks like the best passer in the Pac-12 by a good margin right now. Like the what he's finding down low and how he's making entry passes and where he's getting them insane. In addition to him pushing the tempo for Arizona and making sure that they do that. He is unbelievable right now. So I feel uh, we'll see against San Diego state and people are going to fucking laugh at me. If uh, Kirk Kreese has a Kirk Kreese game <laughs> from last year, very possible and San Diego state beats the shit out of Arizona, whatever. I love getting ratioed. I think it's funny. Um, I, you know, he just looks insane right now. Um, UCLA, I, I, I think that they their ceiling I think is as high as I thought it was. In that they still, I think they still could compete. I don't think they can compete for a one seed anymore, just because these early season games are going to matter so much. Mm-hmm. But I think they could figure it out and come tournament time, maybe be a juggernaut. The problem is they have three, four freshmen uh, on this team that are that need to be vital contributors. And right now they're just uh they just have a lot of growing to do. Uh Adembona, the UCLA big man out of Turkey, I think. He I think is a little bit shorter than I kind of suspected he might be. Uh he's super athletic still, but he just like reacts to everything defensively. Like he's not great defensively because he's just he's just jumping at anything. Um which is I think is a very eager freshman thing to do like you're just jumping at shots and biting on every single fake and you're worried about some some guard coming over on a floater so you jump at that you miss the rebound like a bunch of shit like that he really needs to he has a lot of stuff to work on this is going to be an interesting developmental test for mick cronin frankly uh but you know that's that's that amari bailey he he also needs a lot of growing to do like he his his offense now is uh, pretty erratic. I see it in flashes. Where I'm like, oh man, this dude can finish in traffic. Like he's got a great handles. Like I can see it, but like the the patience and the ability to react to what's happening on the floor that needs to improve defensively. Actually, pretty good. I'm, I'm I was uh, surprised by Amari Bailey. Uh, so those two, I think, really need to come together. Jalen Clark has been incredible. He disappeared in the Illinois game, but really sort of started taking 
taking it on himself to take over most of the game against Baylor and kept them in it for much of that. Tiger Campbell, I don't know. So, like, Tiger Campbell has been brutal sometimes. He's taken a ton of shots. A lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, people don't realize about UCLA. They had four shot creators last year. Tiger Campbell, Jaime Jaquez, Jules Bernard, Johnny Jusang. You give it to one of those dudes in ISO, and like they could probably cook, right? They have four options. They only have really two, and it's Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. Maybe Jalen Clark. Uh, and you know, if if one of them's not working, then it's going to be brutal offensively. I I was more uh disappointed in ucla's offensive action uh in much of this which is surprising because i always pay attention to defense but so that that specific reason is why i think tommy lloyd is the best coach in the conference and it's not mick cronin is that tommy lloyd just makes scoring so easy for his guys whereas mick cronin he's just been relying way too much on individual creation offensively and i like defensively i think he's a great coach and uh he gets ucla playing really well there and obviously right now they're going to have issues because any team without a real defensive anchor is going to have issues. But uh, the offense is worrying to me. Yeah. Yeah, the offense is a concern, I think. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, we've seen this with Mick Cronin in the past where Johnny Juzang was in 20, this was 2021, the year they went to the Final Four, was absolutely brutal in the regular season in February, just like, jacking up shots and a lot of that was Mick Cronin trying to get him going and then it ended up paying off in March because Johnny Juzang had one of the most memorable uh tournament runs that season this year I don't know um is that Tiger Campbell right like is Tiger Campbell working through a tough stretch in terms of his scoring so that he could become that next scorer right uh is it is are eventually we going to switch to Mari Bailey I don't know UCLA has a lot of I will say UCLA has a lot of questions to answer. A lot of questions to answer. A lot of it's going to be development work. A lot of it's going to have to be on Mick Cronin to get these guys to buy in. So lots of stuff to figure out. Anything else about UCLA, Arizona that's, uh, that, you're, that, that made something that you thought differently about them preseason? Grapes, you had something to say about Kirk Creesa specifically. Are you... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure... Um, like, you know what? Kirk Creesa, if... Like, as a fan who's not an Arizona fan, as an outside fan, Kirk Carissa is one of the most electric players to watch yeah. because yeah. I have no st- I have no stakes in this little game that Kirk Carissa plays called throw the ball no matter what is happening. Always take the shot. He is always shooting. Um, and, like, that's fun. That's fun because in those games where he dinks everything or in the games where he just everything goes wrong, you know, that's always fun to watch. But considering him to be like the best player on Arizona just feels incorrect and wrong, even though it might be true. Like it makes me sick to my stomach to think that that could be the case because when he's bad, he's bad. I was also shocked and surprised, but like when you think about it, it makes sense (laughs) when you said, uh, the Kirk Creesa might be Arizona's best player. I don't agree yet. I think it's Tabella still, but like, Oh boy, that is closer than I thought it was going to be. Just some just some stats here. Uh, Kirk Carissa leads Arizona in box plus minus. He leads Arizona. He is second, uh, no, tied with Azulis Tabellas in win shares. He is, uh, let's see here, second and 11th in the conference. No, eighth in the conference in player efficiency rating. Uh, he's, I don't know, his um, his his numbers are insane, but... Who knows? Maybe it's just like a function of, you know, with, with Arizona, they always put up insane gaudy stats and always look insane in Ken Palm and the metrics because they go so fast and they pump up the possession. So 
maybe that'll all come down to earth. So we'll find out. Okay, let's uh, let's move on from UCLA and Arizona and move on to a topic that I think is uh, that Avery would say, why are we talking about this? And that I think is super interesting, which is uh, I, I was thinking about this as I was putting together my personal rankings of the Pac-12 teams that I posted on Twitter. I realized I have no fucking clue who the best, who the third best team in the Pac-12 is. Like UCLA and Arizona, I don't know who's number three. Preseason, I think like it was Arizona or Oregon because I, we thought that UCLA was a clear number one. But now Arizona and UCLA are much closer together than we thought and also much further from everyone else. Uh, and Air- Oregon hasn't really looked that great early on. So what I thought I'd ask you all is who the third best team in the Pac-12 is at this particular moment. Grapes, get us started. Oh, my God. I I agree. This is a dumb conversation that I don't want to have, but mostly because <laughs> I don't have, like, a really good answer. Um, is, my, is my answer... Is my answer Arizona State? <laughs> <laughs> That's a real uh, argument for that. Oh There's boy. a real argument oh for boy. it. I don't, I don't want to say it because, like... There's no way Reed's first hot take on this podcast <laughs> is like when Reed doesn't make hot takes. Um, he had two, and they're both true right now, which is Arizona State being good and Kirk Grease a big player of the year. <laughs> they're both they're both going well, which makes makes me angry because I'm like not even just being mean to Reed. Like he doesn't watch the he doesn't watch the games, <laughs> so that's like I'm kind of jealous because I'm usually the one that pulls things out of my ass. Um. Yeah, it might. I think it might be Arizona State. Colorado's just confusing. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. I. I'm gonna say Arizona State. Is it Arizona State? I don't know. I, I think I was looking at this early and I was like, "There's a real argument that Arizona State is the third best team in the Pac-12." Just so people know what their resume looks like, uh, beat Tarleton State and uh, Northern Arizona barely escaped by Tarleton State. By the way, lost to Texas Southern and then beat like an okay Virginia uh, Commonwealth uh, VCU, a decent, like they're okay in the mid majors, but then like beat potentially a very good Michigan team. Not just beat them, beat the fuck out of them. Like, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's chaotic, but maybe. Yeah. Greg, do you think it's Arizona state or, or is it someone else? I think it's Oregon. Okay. Um, I think Oregon has a, has a ceiling that they can get to, that nobody else can mm-hmm. outside of, of course, UCLA and Arizona. And while maybe, maybe right now, I'm not sure if they're going to be consistently at that level. Uh, I expect them to be there by the end of the season. And I think they might even be there right now. So uh, I think it's them. It's, it's normally I'm very interested by conversations like these, but <laughs> it's just such a terrible yes. conference that it's kind of sad to think about. It's a dog shit conference. No, it's it's a terrible conference. And it's crazy because Arizona State and Colorado probably have the best wins in the Pac-12. Like Colorado, uh, I, I'm not putting them in, this in the, them in this conversation just because they have dumb losses, but it's like they beat a very good Tennessee team pretty much on the road. It was in Nashville, but like that's pretty much a road game. Uh, and then they beat the shit out of a top, what was then a top 25 Texas A&M team. Um, but they lost to UMass. They lost to Grambling State. They lost to Boise State. Like, that resume's bad. Um, I And Arizona State has, like, the maybe one of the best wins in the conference at this point. I, You all are going to hate me um, because I'm, I'm doing this propaganda early. I think Utah has a real argument. Uh, I, they are 4-1 and one right now. Yes, they just came off a 10-point loss to Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State might actually be 
okay. Like they beat Oklahoma to start the season. Uh, they are number ninety nine in Kempom, which is pretty high considering you know the, that's still including preseason data. That's considering the fact that they are playing weaker competition. They beat Utah. They beat Northern Illinois. They've beaten whatever. Le- Torneau is and whatever Southwestern Adventist is, um, but you know th- those. That's not bad. That's not terrible. I think Sam Houston State might be okay. I forgive them for that loss. They did go on and beat Georgia Tech. What's Georgia Tech and Ken Palm? They are eh, 111th, whatever. Um, so I don't know. Like, and they were in control of that game, by the way, against Georgia Tech. Like, they kind of blew a lead a little bit, made it much closer than it should have been, but. I don't see why it's not Utah. I think they have as much of a claim as Arizona State does. Greg was disagreeing. I think what Arizona State has that Utah doesn't is like creating creation. They have creation that Utah doesn't. Uh, and I don't trust teams that don't have creation. So I'm not really high on Utah at all. Uh, looking at just Ken Palm rankings for the conference, uh, they, it seems like <laughs> the way they have it, they've got their top tier. You've got your UCLA and your Arizona at the top. They're 14 and 15. And then a drop-off to Arizona to Oregon at 38. Then a drop-off to Colorado at 54. And then a bunch of teams pretty close t- together from Colorado down to Utah at 73. And then a massive drop-off to Washington. Another massive drop-off to Cal and then Oregon State. These rankings, of course, are still super influenced by preseason projections, of mm-hmm. course, which is why Cal isn't at the bottom, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, they should but, be, yes. Uh, I do like how the Ken Palm, I, I do like how Ken Palm is ranking them right so now. So here's how um, here, here's how net rating, which is not adjusted for opponent, um, and it's just like how many points do you score per possession minus how many sc- points do you allow per 100 possessions. Uh, the rankings go number one, Arizona, obviously plus 28.5, meaning they're outscoring, uh, teams by 28 and a half points per hundred possessions. Number two is Utah 22.3. That that's not pre That's just pure data from this season. Number three, UCLA at 18 number Oregon plus 15, Arizona state, USC, Washington state, Washington, Stanford, Oregon state, Colorado, the only team with a negative point differential, it's Cal. So this and it's definitively negative. Yeah, uh, and this will even out, I think, as the season goes on. But like, I don't know. This is like we we have to have a conversation probably about Utah soon. Uh, they're starting off really strong. I know. Again, they lost to Sam Houston State, but considering what other teams have done, that's not bad. Uh, no one wants to make an argument for I don't know a USC maybe. No, USC's boring. <laughs> I don't think USC's good. Uh, like Utah, I, you know I'm low on U, uh, Utah. I wouldn't be shocked at this point if Utah finished ahead of USC. I think USC's kind of yeah, trash. Yeah, they might be kind of trash. They barely beat Vermont. Kind of escaped against Mount St. Mary's. Did beat the shit of Alabama Drew State. Peterson is, uh, Drew Peterson's leading the conference in assists, though, so good, good for, for him. him. Getting, his, getting <laughs> his stats. Um, no one wants to make... Well, you made an argument for Oregon. I guess that's it. It's like... I don't think it's Washington State. They look shitty. Uh, Washington just has uh, roster issues. Stanford. Stanford. Ugh. Uh, Oregon State. Does anyone want to make a case for Oregon State? You know what? I don't trust Oregon State. And I won't trust Oregon State till they have like 15 let's, wins. Let's not okay. get ahead of ourselves with Oregon State. We are happy with them at 11, they, yeah. I think. They are uh, playing Duke <laughs> this week. 
So oh, that's, that's unfortunate for yeah, them. It's going to be interesting. Hey, they beat Duke. Are you going to make them the third best team in the Pac-12? Yes. If they beat Duke, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll drop quickly after that, but they'll get their moment in the sun if they beat Duke. They'll get AP yeah. votes. I uh I, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's probably right. I think it's I think we're we're probably saying what? Utah, Oregon, Arizona State. I think those are it, right? Those are the three clear, like, you know, contenders for number three. Yeah, I mean well, it's just so depressing to look at. <laughs> this is a bad conference, by the way. This is this I, I think it, I know we're saying it, but like it needs to be said over and over again. The Pac twelve is horrendous. Right now of the big six, the power six conference, however you want to say it. They are last uh, in uh, <laughs> oh, no. adjusted efficiency margin. They're behind the Big 12, which is number one. Then it's the Big 10. Then it's the SEC. Then it's the Big East. Then it's the ACC. And then it's the Pac-12. There's a little bit of separation. There's a good amount of separation between them and the uh, American Athletic Conference. But, you know, uh, it's bad. This is very, very bad from the Pac-12. Like, even UCLA, like, the number two team, lost to both of its ranked teams. So Arizona right now probably needs to badly beat San Diego State to salvage this non-conference for the league. Uh, we'll know about that when this is posted, so sorry about that, but it's a shit league right now. Absolutely shitty. Uh, <laughs> it's a garbage league. Anyway, that's it about the third best team. We talked about a lot of teams in that I one. think the Ken Palm rankings will get worse as the preseason protect projections uh, fade out of the rankings yeah. right now. The Pac-12 is only narrowly sixth behind the ACC and has a solid lead on the AAC. Uh, I could see that lead shrinking considerably. Not that I think the AAC is good, but the Pac-12 is real bad. Yeah, yeah it's it's very bad. It is uh, horrendous right now. Um, okay, uh, just real quickly here. I put out rankings of the Pac-12 team, so I thought I'd do it again. We can discuss it real quick. So here we are, starting with Tier 1, number Tier 1. Obviously, we know number one Arizona, number two UCLA, uh, tier two. I actually, having talked about this, I'm gonna change this now. I sort of put this on Twitter, but you know me, I like changing my mind. I don't care. Um, I am going to say number three Utah, and then I'll say number four Oregon, and then I think it's five ASU, number six Colorado, number seven USC, number eight Oregon State, and number nine Washington. Any quips with three through nine there? Utah, Oregon, ASU, Colorado, USC, Oregon State, UW. Uh, I would put I would put ASU above Utah for sure. I would put Oregon above Utah too. I'd put okay. probably Utah fifth, okay. maybe sixth. So are you convinced now that ASU is the third best team? You were shaky on it, but now you're. I'm not convinced. I think you can really flip a coin between Oregon and ASU. I think that's just kind of like a placeholder right now. But I mm. do feel like Oregon and ASU are better than Utah. Okay. All right, probably more talented, although, you know, Utah has some dudes and they're kind of healthy now, so yeah, fair enough. I, I agree. Uh, I would bump Utah down two or three spots. Uh, I think you've in that, in that tier, you've got like, I don't know, I think Oregon and ASU very close, Utah and Colorado very close, and then I just don't know what to do with USC, Oregon State, and Washington. Yeah. Uh, big test coming up, by the way, for uh, some of those teams. Utah? ASU's got Grambling tonight. That's a big one. Grambling got Colorado. True. Yeah. Utah gets Mississippi State. Um, also, is that tonight? Also, no, tomorrow. So when this episode drops, it'll be tonight. Uh, we've also got, uh, 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 I think Oregon plays UConn as part of the Phil Knight Invitational. Oh, 
Grapes just left. Oh, there she is. Hi, Grapes. <laughs> um, and uh, and Arizona's next game will actually be at Utah. So after a pretty long layoff. So we'll we'll know more by the time we talk next. Okay, and then I just have uh, Tier 3 bad teams, Wazoo and Stanford. Do, do you all think those teams should be with the others? I kind of put them as worse than the rest. I think Stanford is unfairly here. I don't know how you got Stanford here and Washington Stanford. not here. Okay. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Honestly, <laughs> this doesn't make any I fucking, fucking sense. Stanford. I hate Stanford. Their two losses are to, like, good teams, like, fine teams to lose to. Okay. Washington fucking State is ahead of them. Washington State, who lost to Boise and Prairie View? What are you doing? Um, Prairie View was 316th in Kempom before they beat Wazoo. I don't that's know. Gotta be, that's got to be the worst. Stanford has not lost to anyone as bad as CA Baptist. Either. I would. I would yeah. put here's here's my modification. This is the, as far as I'll go. I'd put Washington just in tier three. You're right, but I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move would, Wazoo or Stanford ahead of that. I'm not convinced Oregon State and USC to be deserve to be above Stanford too. Stanford hasn't lost to a terrible team. Those three all have. Stanford has lost to. Wisconsin and San Diego State, uh, but they just look like shit against Pacific. Uh, and I guess beat USC's Cal Poly. looked like shit against everyone except for like Cal Poly or who else? Who was it that they? I don't know. One of it? the one of the shitty. Okay, whatever. They beat some. I, yeah, Stanford is criminally right. underrated. Can we all agree? Okay, tier four. Ready? Stanford's not what I thought yeah. they were, but like. Okay. Do, do we all agree? But tier yes, four. Cal, Cal. Cal is alone at the bottom. Yeah, Cal is alone. Radioactive waste abomination is a good name yeah, for that I agree. tier. Who who was worse, Colorado football or Cal basketball? Uh, Cal basketball. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Man, that's yeah, probably. It's it's bad, man. It's so it's bad. Oh, so bad. So bad. Three, like, how many buy games have they lost? Is it three? I think it's three. I've seen the tweet at least three times. I mean, is it not five? Have they not only played buy games? Kansas State wasn't a buy game. Oh no, but you're right. It's yeah. So four buy games in Kansas State. Jesus, that's pathetic. Jesus, and it's like <laughs> I'm looking at their schedule. They only have three buy games left. It's Eastern Washington, Santa Clara. Texas Arlington. Yeah, they're about to get destroyed by TCU on Friday. I'm sure USC will beat them comfortably, oh, but USC can't be no, trusted. No, so maybe no, this is Colorado. If we're thinking about Colorado, it's like, oh yeah, we don't trust the fucking, you know, UCLA. They will beat the shit out of Colorado. Like it's the same thing with Cal. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. USC will destroy Cal. That'll be a get right game for them. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, well, that's our rankings. That's my rankings. Thanks for the feedback and being jerks about uh, where I have Stanford at. Uh, let's mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about MVPs for the week. Who had uh, big weeks player-wise that you're, that you're really excited about? I am going to go with one that's a little out of left field, but I promise I am not joking. I am being serious when I say <laughs> this. Desmond Cambridge of ASU. Okay. Uh, he was... Arizona State's leading scorer against Michigan, and that saved the Pac-12 from what would have been a horrendous day. Uh, I can't remember which day was that, that Michigan-ASU game. Uh, mm -hmm. It was Thursday, right, yeah, Thursday, November 17th. The Pac-12 was quite down bad. Everybody but them lost. Utah lost to Sam Houston. Colorado lost to UMass. Arizona doesn't count because they're above Pac 12 ness. Um, <laughs> and Washington lost to CA Baptist. But, I mean, ASU beat the brakes off of Michigan, and Desmond Cambridge had a fantastic game 
20 points, 50% shooting. Very good job. So he he's my MVP for okay. the week. Sounds good. Um, grapes. Who's your MVP? I'll, I'll do a boring pick. Azulis Tabellos is my okay. MVP. He had a really solid week. Uh, like the best game of the week for him was Cincinnati. Um, he's just been like pretty kick ass. Yeah. He had I don't have a points. stats in front of me. I didn't, I didn't come prepared. <laughs> 30, he had 30 points, 11 rebounds against, um, against Cincinnati and had 20 points, eight rebounds, five assists against, uh, UT. What is this? UTT, UT, Utah. Utah oh, that's Utah tech. Wow. I that's their abbreviation, there. huh? I did not. Huh. Is this the first year they're playing under Utah tech? Yeah, I believe yeah. it is. UTT. I was like, yeah, U- I think they were University of Texas. Yeah, they somewhere. were Dixie last year. You, Utah Tech's been um, pretty good this season too. They've, I mean, they played mm-hmm. some hard. They they've been playing. They're the bye team, yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they've they've played some tough tough teams at like close. They almost beat uh, who was it? I don't know. Washington. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, I have, I, I'm going with another Arizona player. I'll say Kirk Creesa. He had against Cincinnati somewhat quiet night, sort of. I mean, it wasn't that quiet to me. I felt like he was making incredible pass, passes and plays all night. Uh, 11 points, two boards, seven assists, uh, four for eight, shooting three for five from three. Uh, and then against Utah Tech, he did have 24 points to go along with, I think it's uh, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, six for seven shooting, six for all of those from three. So uh, I have him. Uh, honorable mentions, Jalen Clark, even though UCLA went 0-2, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. He's been uh, lights out as a shooter. He's been all over the place as a defender. He had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block against Baylor. Very quiet against Illinois, though. That's the problem. He was actually very great defensively, but was really quiet uh, offensively. I have KJ Simpson. KJ Simpson's uh, another one. He had 14 points, five rebounds, uh, four assists in a loss. Texas A&M, 30 points, uh, seven rebounds, three assists, six steals, six steals against Texas A&M. So he's been pretty good this year. I'm I'm really excited about him. Colorado, I think, like they are really chaotic and maybe shitty, but also our expectations probably have to be adjusted because they lost a bunch of players. So, um, all right. Those are our MVPs. Let's go on to talk about some game predictions. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, never mind. I'm just reading the doc wrong, but we're doing we, well, Wooden's Weekly winners now, correct? Yeah, that's right. You're doing it again, Greg. We always do the pickups uh, do after we start the music. Time. Go ahead. It's a really weird thing to do. Why do we do that? Because it's part of the picks. Whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's see. You, Carlos, won Wooden's Weekly Winners this last week, going 7 of 12. That was our best. I know, Ball. It was a rough week. Uh, we had a couple sixes and then a bunch of fives and fours. Uh, me, and, me and Avery both had 4 out of 12. It was rough, rough. for us. Uh, but you know what? It's next week. KG, the god of picks himself. Only five of twelve. Oh my! So, um, you know, it's just—it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough season until we get into conference play, where things start to make sense again. But that's where we are right now. The total points have not updated quite yet. They will after tonight's game. Sense. Uh, okay, let's do a little bit as we always do. Little things are a little bit different for basketball. I usually pick three to four games that are high quality, intriguing games for the week, and we pick based on those. So Wednesday night. This night, this episode drops. USC 
traveling to the Bahamas to play BYU in the Battle for Atlantis tournament. BYU is a one and a half point favorite. Greg, who wants to cover? I'm going to go with USC because uh, BYU almost lost to Idaho State, and uh, I can do that. Okay. Grips? I think BYU is going to win. Oh, wait. Mm. I can't say that. I hate BYU. Nope. I think yeah. um, USC is going to win. Yeah, I think USC is going to beat the shit out of them on principle. Okay, same evening. Pack schedule. Utah travels to Florida as part of the Fort Myers tip-off event. They play undefeated Mississippi State. They are 27th in Kempom. The Bulldogs of Mississippi State are five and a half point favorites. Grapes, who wins, who covers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Let's... <sighs> Mississippi State. Okay. I think Mississippi State is going to win. I think Utah's going to win. I hope Utah wins. Greg. I think this is going to be one of those games where Utah's lack of creation hurts Mm. them. Uh, I think it's going to cost them in this one. I bet they're managed to keep it close to halftime, and then Mississippi State pulls away in the second half. Uh, All right. Last two here. Let's make these quick. On Thanksgiving, it's part of the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament in Portland. Oregon State plays number eight Duke at 12 Pacific. Ken Palm has Duke as a 20-point favorite. Greg, who wins who covers? Duke wins and covers. Uh, Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Oregon State. You know, you got to prove something to me before I, I pick you to cover against Duke. Yeah, I feel it. I feel the exact same. If if Oregon State covers, I'm, I'm going to feel pretty good about Oregon State. Yep. Same mm-hmm. here. They're competitive for sure. And last one, Thanksgiving, 5 p.m. Pacific, at, also as part of the PK tournament in Portland, Oregon, plays number 20 UConn. Ken Palm has the Huskies as four-point favorites over Ducks. Grapes over the Ducks. Ducks, grapes. Uh, grapes, who wins, who covers? Mm, 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 mm. UConn is going to win and cover. Okay. Uh, I think Oregon's going to win this one. This might be one of those. You picked every Pac-12 team. Hey, we're doing propaganda here. That's what we do. (laughs) I guess that's what we did last (laughs) season. I picked them every time. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't work out last year either. Greg? Um, This is tough. I think it's going to be real close and low scoring because that's how UConn plays, and I think that's kind of how Oregon has to play this year. Uh, Well, while Will Richardson is doing his thing, you know, I'm a shitty player now thing. Uh, yeah, so I'll take UConn to win and cover, I guess, but I think it'll be close still. Well, I've got, uh, uh, fuck it, I'll pick Oregon to win. What do I care? All right. That's it. That's it for our picks. That's it for our basketball episode and our weird Frankenstein football episode. We'll be back every week on Wednesdays at 5 a.m. Pacific until football is over. Football episodes drop Mondays at 5 a.m. Pacific, as they always do. Patreon, notruckstops.com for more content. And our Discord, Re, uh, DM us and Twitter at No Truck Stops Pod if you want into that. Uh, let's get out of here. That's Greg. That's Avery. I'm Carlos. Please enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all your travels or non-travels. Friendsgiving, completely valid. Not celebrating this holiday, also valid. We love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it in the cup is kicking in my patience to everything said I'm lonelier than a single sex on a quiet city street are you a good girl you're being so good today we're gonna eat soon okay Cordell? you get yummy dinners come on Lake.